Jumbo, fellow adventurers, I'm Mike Dooley, here to remind you once more that your thoughts become things. And I'm going to do it today by dropping another edition of a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. These were broadcasted live this week. My answers to fellow adventurers' questions about life, dreams, and happiness, and each one took 5, 10, or 15 minutes. We've sewn them all together for your viewing and listening enjoyment. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for another spiritual tune-up. Thoughts become things. Uh, last Friday, I spoke on the gems in the Bible. Uh, not what you think, because I'm not a religious person. I do view myself to be spiritual, extremely so, however. I don't think they mix very well, religion and spirituality. Because of the great feedback, uh, I'm going to take another question along those lines. Reconciling Jesus Christ and the crucifixion. Uh, how, Mike, does one respond to somebody else who says, only through Christ and his crucifixion for us can anyone get to heaven or even be okay for that matter. Oh, this is juicy stuff. I am grateful for the opportunity. Going to do my best here. My zero intentions to uh, ruffle any feathers. Um, if what I say doesn't resonate with you, that's okay, man. We're, we're all going home together and we'll all be in that place um, in the sun, in the light. Okay. So here we go. Um, to answer the question specifically, the way anybody gets to heaven. Okay. As I shared, uh, in the last tune up on Friday is through truth, through understanding, um, a release of the confusion and the chaos that comes from thinking the illusions around us are real. Okay, I'm going to get to Jesus and the crucifixion in just a second. But the way to get to heaven is to understand the truth of our nature, who we really are, how we got here, why we got here, why we chose and wanted to be alive in these sacred, gorgeous jungles of time and space. That's how to get to heaven to answer that question. Now, as far as the inferences that are quite explicit, only through Jesus, only through the Christ, can you gain access to the kingdom of heaven? What Jesus was saying, that must sound so like, um, how could I possibly know? Well, we all can know. Ask the big questions. See the way life works. Uh, be able to connect the dots. There's so much beauty in the Bible and elsewhere, and there's other stuff that just doesn't line up with that beauty. So connect the dots. Read. Search. Ask me. Ask yourself. Ask other people. And you be the litmus test as to what's going on. So, the interpretation, remember, this thing wasn't written in, you know, American English, British English. Uh, it was written and translated and retranslated and manipulated in some cases by folks. It is through the Christ within, the Christos. Christ is the awakened soul. It is your true identity that we cover up with our ego and logical thinking and micromanagement of all of our affairs, reacting to the world instead of realizing we're creating the world. So within every single human being and in all, in all matter, otherwise, although that's a tangent, I won't go there, there is pure divine consciousness. And when we awaken to that consciousness, when we tune in to our true essence, the Christ within all of us is awakened. Jesus' name was never Jesus Christ. It was Jesus the Christ. Jesus the awakened one. And that's been shortened to Jesus Christ. Okay, G Christ is not a surname. Um, Jesus the Christ, the awakened one. And it is through the Christ within you, just as he found the Christ within him through clenched teeth, and I am a child of God, and I am the light, and I am the love, and I am the door, and I am the way. That's That was his baptism. And in his journey, in overcoming Satan, which is the illusions, I'm going to go there in just a minute, he was able to awaken the Christ within, and then his mission was to all of us, the things I do, you'll do greater. 
Only through the Christ within, however. Not only through me. That wouldn't even make any sense, would it? Oh, I guess we've made sense out of it somehow uh, over the millennia. People have felt like surrendered to Jesus. He's the son of God, even though he said we're all the children of God, even though he said that he's no more special than us. So a lot of stuff was emphasized and to the exclusion of others and often to control the masses. So it is through your Christ, the Christ within, through your own awakening to truth that you will have access to the kingdom of heaven, which is everywhere around you now and in realms unimaginable forever and ever and ever. This is just one little stage we're now playing our lives on because it's cool, because it's beautiful, because it's magnificent. And because if you look around, there's love everywhere. Not only in your heart, but in the beating hearts of every creature alive and every blade of grass and every mote of dust there is pure love and ecstasy but we don't hear it we don't see it because because we're believing in the illusions which is a little bit coming up right here okay so i'm going to go there right now now the crucifixion and and this i could not have done on my own some dots i can connect and other dots i just have to like okay one day that'll make sense but the seth material dictated by Jane Roberts, very profound stuff with no agenda that speaks exclusively of your power and the beauty and love that's everywhere in this fantastic voyage that we all chose to be on. So Seth, the author is Jane Roberts, uh, deceased long ago, uh, but the Seth books, about two dozen of them were written in, I think, the, the 60s and the 70s. That's what I cut my teeth on in spiritualese. Oh, in, in the 1970s, late 70s and 80s. Seth said that the crucifixion was a drama born by the needs and desires of the masses, not Jesus, of the masses at the time. They believed in sacrifice and the value and the importance of sacrificing. Um, you see it in the Old Testament. You see it with, you know, farm animals, you know, sacrifice a goat or a sheep or whatever. And they believed in the depths of their being that Jesus was the Savior, the Son of God, and that there need to be this major sacrifice, this battle of good versus bad, love versus evil. And so Jesus kind of went along with it. And according to Seth, in ways I can't quite comprehend, there was this drama and the crucifixion that played itself out, according to Seth, in another dimension, if you will, in a higher state of consciousness. Very real. This is not taking away from what happened, but it played itself out because it was the what the masses needed and expected of their Savior. And so... Playing along with it, there was the script and Father forgive them for they know what they, not what they do and Punctious Pilate and all that stuff. I'm not taking away from it, but it was, if, if you look at it otherwise with spiritual lenses, it makes no sense for a, an enlightened child of God who's here to spread the word of love, you know, to be bludgeoned on a cross. That didn't have to happen, except that the people needed it for even further belief in the good and the possibilities, the magic and the miracles. Yes, that proves it, good versus evil, when actually when you're enlightened and you're living in truth, there is no evil, there's just confusion. And people who do evil things because of their confusion. All right, so it was played out in this kind of other dimension. There are vestiges, um, maybe the cross, maybe there was that cross, maybe there was the cave, there was the resurrection, all of this is a dynamic that is actually, and where, you're, where I'm taking this, kind of unimportant based on all the other miracles and the truth and the beauty of the words shared by that man, that God child, as we are all God child, children. So there are vestiges of that story here on the physical plane. It is not entirely on another dimension. And clearly there were metaphors that can be learned from, and, and one of which is die to the illusions and be born again. What does that mean? The greatest hook of living in these jungles of time and space, as I said earlier in this 
broadcast is that we look at the world around us and we think it is real. We think it is concrete. We think we need to react to it. We think we are secondary. We think we are unimportant. We think that we're just a byproduct of this magnificence and beauty and somebody wound us up and, and out of the womb we came and now we're learning to do our best as we contend with manifestations that we are streaming into place, co-streaming with our fellow uh, reality contestants, everybody else alive on time and space. And while we are co-creators and co-streamers of our reality, we are the sole creator of our joy, our happiness, our breakthroughs, our successes, the love and the service and the cooperation. You are it, the only one creating that stuff. Your abundance levels, that's you. Your health levels, that's you. But the weather, the planet, the, the dramas, that's a co-creation. All right. And so we have these co-creations that we're streaming, but we don't know that we're streaming. We need to die to the illusions, to be born again so the Christ can awaken, so we can see who we really are, that our thoughts become things 24-7, non-stop, no mitigating factors. You are the end-all, be-all of every smile and every tear you shed. It's all your interpretation. It is all your choice. And this is the best news ever because whatever you most want, you can have. You can have it fast. You can have it beautiful. You can have it now and let there be love and let there be light. This is where you came to be. This is why you came to play. And you wouldn't have come here if you were your wings would be clipped and you couldn't have it all. However you want to define all, if you want to be a millionaire, you want to be a billionaire, you want to be surrounded in love, you want to help other people, you can write your own ticket. That was the message of Jesus Christ. Believe and ye shall receive. Your Father in heaven hears you. Whatever you want, speak. Your words are your wand. I don't think Jesus said that, but Florence Scovel Shin did, and I'll take it. So, so, uh, so, so there's... There's metaphors as well as vestiges of the crucifixion here on earth that are so empowering. But here's the finale of what I want to share right now. Do you see how some of what I have said might be offensive to folks? And some of what they say would be offensive you know, to others. Um, and that you can really get lost in the story. And it was never meant to be about the story. It was meant to be about the message, the teaching of your unbounded, unlimited potential to be happy for all of your days, to be healthy, to remove that pain, to remove that cancer, to remove that block in your thinking. That was the message. So Jesus Pisces, he's here rooting for you right now. He loves you and he doesn't care that I just said Jesus Pisces. You know, it's, it's not this uppity, Walk a fine line. You were born a sinner. You'll always be a sinner. Just grovel in misery and be selfless and put the needs of others before your own. That was the hijacking. That was not Jesus's message. Believe and you shall receive. What else? We are all children of God. That was the message. All things are possible. That was the message. Believe and ye shall receive no matter whether you go to church on Sunday or you don't even believe in Jesus. Believe in yourself. Believe in the beauty. Believe in the love and all things will be added unto you. Satan. Satan. The devil. What is that metaphor? It is a metaphor for the temptation that we all have to eat of the forbidden fruit every single day. And what is the forbidden fruit? It is the apple, thinking that it's real, that it's nourishment. Oh, it smells good. Oh my God, what a miracle. Um, you forgot that you were streaming that, that holograph the whole time, that hologram. And it's supposed to be beautiful and it's supposed to be spellbinding and you're entitled to bite into it and smell it and be nourished by it. But don't live by it. Don't react to it. Don't hold it at a higher plane than you. You're not a secondary thought. You weren't the afterthought. You were the prime thought. You're the prime mover of everything that happens in your life and everything that happens in the whole world you have a say in. So Satan represents the temptation to look at the illusions and think they're real. And then you start reacting and then you forget who you really are. And you can rise above Satan. And it's not evil personified. Evil doesn't exist without somebody to think it. There is no evil. There is no Satan. People do evil things based on their confusion, thinking they're righting a wrong or finding 
a way to save their butt or not understanding the nature of reality. People do evil every day, but evil does not exist on its own. And the temptation and the evil and the confusion all comes from looking at the illusions and reacting to them, which only perpetuates them. So if you're looking at what you don't like and what scares you and what's awful in humanity and the world, you get more of it. And a downward spiral begins into the depths of hell. Hell of your own making right here. Change the channel. Think about something else. Evil, evil spirits. I just read something the other day. I've read it uh, the other year, but I just reread it the other day because I highlighted it. Here's a book called Vision by Ken Carey, C-A-R-E-Y. And listen to what they say. What is an evil spirit? This is an evil spirit. Evil spirits are negative attitudes, destructive emotions rooted in fear. Some of the more common evil spirits are resentment, anger, shame, guilt, anxiety, hatred, greed, revenge, jealousy, all thinly disguised forms of fear. Their presence in a human system gives harmful physical agents something to attach themselves to. Earlier on the prior page, it's saying that we all have disease in our body and it goes right through our body until we give the disease, the germs, something to attach to evil spirits. How about that take on evil spirits? Those are the only evil spirits that exist. Confusion, anger, resentment, jealousy. You can rise above that. You can see the beauty everywhere. You got it in you. You wouldn't have come and played if, if it wasn't something that you could transcend. So fellow adventurers, we live in a really great, beautiful place. And many have come here to tell us this before. And still we eat of the forbidden fruit until now. Until now, the vibrations are changing, hope is being stirred, light is shining, and while there seems to be all this anger in the world, it's, as I read also by Ken Carey, the light is getting so great that the shadows are darker than ever. And it's the shadows that now seem to be out overwhelming the light, but don't be fooled, said Ken Carey. The light is greater, and we have made that bend around the corner. We are headed to the Holy Land, the Holy Land being truth here on earth, and then forever and ever and ever. Whatever your heart desires, truth and joy and fun and play and not selflessness and sacrifice and all that garbage that robs you of your thunder. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time to dive into another exciting spiritual tune-up. Thanks for the great questions. We've been talking about what's going on now and connect that with the, the spiritual understandings our civilization has had heretofore and how that's been helpful and how it's been not helpful. Talking about Jesus, the Bible, etc. And now... Golly, it sounds like we're living through the prophecies of Nostradamus. Today's question, um, when you want peace but the world is crazy, do you ignore the world? The current events in the world, Mike, have me feeling like I'm on the defense. I don't like drama or problems. Happy, joyful, unlimited is my center. Do you just ignore all this scary, negative stuff happening? I'm really over it like a bad relationship. Yeah, I think we can all relate to this, uh, to that feeling with the extended COVID and lockdown and all that has ensued with vaccinations and uh, indignations, etc. But look, um, to ask great questions like this, do I focus on it? Do I try to improve it? Do I isolate it myself? Do I ignore it? The first step always is to see beyond the present circumstances. The circumstances are seemingly the cause, but they're not. The circumstances are this issue out there that I want to avoid, but what made the circumstances what they are today? This schism of psychologies and differences and polarity and ah, what lies beneath the circumstances. I touched on it yesterday when we were talking about uh, 
biblical understandings and lessons that have been misconstrued. Um, we are living in a time of rapid vibrational enhancements. I know that sounds like woo-woo. So what does that mean? We are move, moving through a time right now where the light, where the love, where the energies on planet Earth are increasing. Manifestations are quicker. Um, the light is brighter and the shadows are darker. This is really key. At, the, at dawn, all of a sudden, there's this light, but you start seeing things you didn't see before that was there all along. This is the evolution of consciousness, as I've alluded to in earlier spiritual tune-ups, where we, caveman, cavewoman, spiritually speaking, are emerging at long last and wondering some of the greater, deeper questions about who am I? How did I get here? What's going on? How can I change circumstances? Instead of perhaps in the very beginning, um, just thinking that was purely good versus evil, dark versus light, God is angry, or there isn't even a God. And then all of a sudden we start believing there must be a higher force. So we humanize and personify that higher force and that higher force is judgmental. We're outgrowing that. We've gone from base level subsistence to moving into our own and breaking through the bondages of dogma and stories that kind of made sense thousands of years ago, but they no longer make sense. And it is the spiritual pioneer, the adventure in your being that is asking these really great great questions, looking for your own shade, looking how to shine your bright, looking to exercise your options, looking to ride the tide of magnificence that we see everywhere in the world around us. This is the evolution of consciousness. And so when you realize we're going from darkness into the light, and that this is a historically profound time, I mean, unlike anything in recorded history, it's not like this just gradual, the light is dawning. We are facing our demons. We are facing our, our skeletons in the closets. We are facing everything for a chance to fully emerge into the light. Some of these different books that I uh, have referenced, like Ken Carey, say that this is, this is as significant as our civilization moving into agriculture after being hunters and gatherers. This is more significant. This is more of a watershed moment. This is more, oh my God, the biggest transformation in psychology and in existence and in perspectives and in truth and in better living and in more joy and in greater abundance for everyone individually and collectively when we move with the truth. But just as a teenager moving into adulthood has all this like angst and anger, you know, and they half want their parents to look out for them and they half want to be independent and they're throwing off the shackles and suddenly they're naked and suddenly they're terrified and they want to go back to the good old days, but no, they want to go into the light. This is like a Friday, to make it a little more light, moving into the weekend. Put it that way. And the weekend is so awesome. We're so excited about it. The Friday is even better than the weekend for those of us who are now getting a sense of what's happening. This is the evolution of consciousness. This is the budding of the flower of our species on planet Earth. This is you living your choice to be a light bearer now at this primitive time. Because there's no other explanation for why you're here. You didn't draw the short straw. You were like me there then. But you're going to forget who you really are. I want to go. But you're going to be terrified. You might be angry. You're going to go through anxiety. Will I always be protected? Yeah. Will I always be loved? Yeah. Will this still play out in the heart of God? Yeah. Sign me up. I'm going. I'm going to be down there. Yes, I'm going to be riddled with fear, insecurities, anxieties. But I am big enough to emerge through it. And so you shall as you awaken Christ consciousness inside of yourself as someone else once did and as many others do as they move through the density that we're all moving through right now. This is the single most exciting time to be alive in human history. No, do not ignore what's going on. Be aware of it. Don't cower. You're not vulnerable in that sense. You are part 
of the process. You chose to be here. Most people aren't watching me right now. Most people aren't into the kind of thoughts that you and I share. We are on the razor's edge, the cutting edge of reality creation. We must have passed all kinds of crazy tests to be here just to hold these truths. And as we hold these truths, even if you're sitting alone in your apartment day in and day out, scared of COVID, that you hold these truths. You are raising your own vibration and you are raising the planet's vibration right now. They're going to read about you and me in the history books one day because this is that time and to offset all the darkness of the ages. There needs to be these light bearers. And that doesn't mean you go out and be Alexander Hamilton or George Washington or whoever. Just in your own way, be awake. Continue to awaken. Continue to go within. Continue to face your fears. This is going to make your light shine brighter. This is going to raise the vibes on planet Earth. Whatever that means, you know what it means. Like, I know what it means, but we don't know what it means. Things are getting better. So don't despair. Don't be scared. Um, act like this. Like you know the greatest secret of all. Okay. And there are people running around like chickens with their head cut off. They're running around trying to manipulate, trying to gaslight, trying to tell false stories, trying to lead misinformation, believing in misinformation. You know a secret. This is all playing out in the heart of God. We all saw this from a million years before we got here. We all planned carefully to be who we now are so that we could hold that light and nothing happening in the jungles of time and space. None of the circumstances that seem so scary aren't playing to our advantage. Doesn't matter if you can't see it logically. Doesn't matter if you can't deduce it. You can know that. You can know that all is supremely well, that this is the time that, that will be considered the golden age of our civilization. And we get to live it. And we knew it would be crazy, the wild, wild west. And now we're in the middle of it. We're like, oh, this is not who I am. Yeah, no, it's not who you are. But you're making it possible for everyone else to get to that place. And in the meantime, you don't have to just sit in your apartment. You can get out there. You can love. You can be the example. You can face your fears. You can be of service. You can write a $5 check to some charity. You can, you can savor this magnificence. You can see heaven on earth before anyone else can. Accept the challenge you did a long time ago. Step back into that place. Ride that wave. You're here for a reason. You're holding the energy. You're a light bearer. You're a pioneer. You're an adventure on the cutting edge of reality creation. Bask. Just bask. Just, oh my God. That's all I had to do. It's so easy. Perfection is all around me. Beauty is everywhere. So much love. You could cry all day long about the love and the beauty that's everywhere. And everything that seems to be lost is actually reappearing somewhere else and all as well. To repeat, now that the sun is rising, now that the light is shining in, in consciousness like never before, the shadows are greater. And to many of us, it looks at times like the shadows are winning and that the darkness is, is overtaking us. But we forget where we came from and how difficult it was then and how scared people were then. If you weren't sure, look around now. Okay, this is what they were feeling before, but it was hidden. And so now the light is dawning. There's no going back. It's going to get better. You know a great and wonderful secret. Fellow adventurers, you're here by design. Your own design. Be there fully present. Don't ignore it. Don't overstate it. Uh, follow your heart and enjoy Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up where I try to remind you that your thoughts become things. That's the three fingers. Uh, big shout out to Biggie uh, in uh, Worlds Away uh, I, for asking this question. Uh, a longtime friend of mine, fellow trainer. It's about something that I've shared on stages all over the world that's uh, a really esoteric talking point but one on the heels of yesterday's Q&A that might 
kind of calm your nerves in this world of rapid change that we're now moving through. Um, here's a quote of mine, and I'll explain it. It's kind of blunt. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Everything is important. How could that exist? That's the magic of these sacred jungles of time and space. Nothing is as it seems. Nothing matters. Nothing matters. Yet it's all important. Okay, when you get and tell me you understand that there can only be God, there can only be divine intelligence, right? I mean, what would something that's not of God, by God, pure God be made of? Where would it have come from? It's not like there's God and then a physical universe, God's tool shed from which things are created. Everything, everyone, good, bad, evil, are pure God. There's just different levels of awareness, of awakening, of enlightenment, of Christ consciousness within each of us. But the baseline, please tell me you get this, it's all God. There can be nothing that's not God. Everything is divine. Everything and everyone is sacred and holy. Yes, we get lost. Yes, we do some awful things. But this whole drama, metaphorically, is playing out in the heart of God, in the mind of God. There is nothing else. There could be nothing else. And so we begin an equation with divine intelligence everywhere, always at once. And during the equation, as it's playing out, we're everywhere always at once, pure God. And at the end of the equation, divine intelligence. Nothing that happens within this equation is going to change the ultimate end result, that we are all of God, by God, pure God. And from that perspective, and perspectives matter, from that perspective alone, nothing matters. Now, that doesn't mean your life is unimportant. That doesn't mean things aren't important. Things don't have to matter for them to be important. And I don't want anybody to obviously misconstrue this. My typical audience wouldn't when I say nothing matters. Like, oh, it doesn't matter. Then I'll do whatever I want and I'll hurt whoever I want and I'll hurt myself. No, everything's important. How do we have this odd dichotomy, this odd situation? If you understand that through existence, there's only been God everywhere, always at once. And then solely, but for the wish of the divine, solely for the wish of the divine, there was this yearning to expand and to experience that which in all eternity had never been experienced. And that is briefly, momentarily descending, if you will. I swear I turned that off. Descending, if you will, from this divine mind to fleetingly forget that you're everywhere always at once. Oh, you're still everywhere always at once. You are right now watching this everywhere always at once, a multidimensional creature in the past, in the present, in the future, in every realm imaginable by God, there you are. But you've figured out, God figured out how to fleetingly, temporarily, in a nanosecond, forget that she is everywhere always at once. At least this part that descended, this God spark forgets and suddenly there's here versus there, now versus them, have versus have not, game on. And then one more descent, one more. And now there's lots of God sparks and then these God sparks create this world of wonder and order called planet earth and the physical universe Oh my gosh, it's so beautiful. Only divine intelligence could figure it out. The symbiotic relationships. In this physical universe, there's a hundred billion galaxies. Galaxies! A hundred billion, a hundred billion Milky Ways. How many, how many stars are in the Milky Way galaxy? How many stars are in the average galaxy? A minimum of a hundred billion. 
maybe a hundred million. Okay, I got my millions, billions mixed up. A hundred million stars at minimum in the Milky Way galaxy. A hundred billion galaxies at minimum. The math is mind-boggling. It's nothing for God. But God wanted to experience realities in ways that could never have happened prior to this descent into a physical universe of God's creation, forgetting that she created it so she could experience it from the inside out as you and me. And as every flower, butterfly, and bee, this was God's greatest wish. Among other great wishes, which we can't fathom right now, God's greatest wish was to be you, to be me. You're not random. You're not accidental. You're safe. You're sound. You're you're in the womb of the divine always and forevermore but you can forget that you are so that you have these adventures talk about sacred you are who god most wanted to be custom tailored to have perspectives viewpoints emotions feelings experiences that no one else has ever had in all creation nor will they have in all eternity important doesn't come close to describing your sacred place in reality. You are exalted. You are treasured. You are priceless. You are adored. You are so important. Now here we are. We show up. We forget where we came from. We forget from whence we came. We forget that we are pure divine energy and we're running around trying to micromanage our lives. That's okay. That's perfectly fine. It's part of the adventure. In some senses, you got to get lost before you can be found. And being found is so much more fun when you were first lost. Like I've shared in a note from the universe, you know, it's better than getting to the top of the mountain. Getting there after you were first lost and you thought you might never arrive. Then you savor it. Then the sweetness. Hallelujah. And so here we are trying to micromanage our lives as we gradually wake up to the truth of our magnificence. Oh, and here we are worrying about um, who's in office. Here we are worrying about should I get a shot? Should I not get a shot? Here we are worrying about coronavirus. All of those things are important. But in the deepest, most profound sense, they don't matter. They don't matter because what matters is that you are you. Okay, that's what's important. Of course, these are words that slip and slide. Um, You could not be more treasured. But the things that we think uh, matter almost never matter. Almost never matter. While at the same time, it's all sacred. So go with a glad heart. And if you will, let let me cap off this tune-up with a little reading from a book I self-published like 28 years ago. Um, I know it's pretty vain of me to be reading my own stuff, but this is something that I, I feel like when I wrote it, I'll never forget. It was probably the closest I came to direct knowing and direct channeling um, to this very day uh, where it was so quick and so fast. This is the very end of a book I titled Lost in Space because we are lost in space. And of course, This is about how to get found. Um, Live, this is the last page. Live only to be who you now are. You are creation's first and last hope to fill the shoes you alone can fashion. And eternity will pass before this chance will come again. You are the dream of a legion before you who have passed on the torch of space-time awareness so that your mere existence, much less what you do in it, could immeasurably enrich all that is God. By simply being, you will fulfill this dream, centered in the here and now where all dreams come true, all truths reside, and understanding is born. Your sacred heart was hewn at the dawn of creation in a dance to celebrate the birth of forever. You can do no wrong. There are no shoulds or shouldn'ts, rights or wrongs, Life is not about being happy, sad, good, or bad. It's not even about making your dreams come true. That much is inevitable. There is only being. 
eternal being, inescapable being. You are, perf you are perfect. It is done. Your rare and precious light has and will forevermore illuminate the worlds you create. The worlds that now wait for your blessed being. Lost in space. Get it at a bookstore near you. I put the link under the box in Facebook and swipe up uh, in Instagram uh, and look for my books on Amazon. Lost in space. Anyway, thanks for the great questions. Thanks, Biggie, for reminding me of nothing matters. Everything is important. I know it's a bit slippery. I know it's a play on words, but perhaps put some things uh, in perspective so that you can have a rocking, amazing day um, and relish your sacred place in the cosmos. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for another spiritual tune-up. Thanks for being with me. Thanks for telling your friends. Thanks for liking, following, sharing, thumbs up, stars, all that. Here is where I answer your questions every single weekday. Today's question is one that we all wonder about. Should I look for signs? You know, uh, 777-333. Mike, is there any significance in signs like numbers or feathers or butterflies or hearing lyrics in a song? Or is it an overactive imagination? Wow. Well, like so many answers when it comes to metaphysics, um, this one depends. It, it, Things are rarely, if ever, as stark as a yes or a no answer. Perhaps the only absolute that I can think of is that we create our own reality. Boom, full stop. We are all one. We're all of God. There's only love. So when it comes to signs, uh, maybe if all of a sudden you see something and it grabs you and you immediately are drawn to interpretation, something's going on. And it could very well be a sign from yourself, your higher self, uh, departed loved one, uh, divine intelligence. Uh, but it's so easy to overdo it and give our powers away. If you are asking for a sign, you're at a crossroads in your life and you're like, please give me a sign. And perhaps even better, you indicate what kind of sign you would like, you know, a nudge one way or a nudge the other, or you've asked a yes or no question, uh, a question that has a yes or no answer. How many times do we want, you know, the answer to be A or B and the real answer is none of the above. And so how can you get, you see how this becomes a slippery slope, but if in asking for guidance or a sign, you follow that with expectation, a belief that you have been heard and that something's coming back. Oh, heck yeah. The universe, God will use any and every means to get your attention and let you know what's going on. I would also say, given our ever-present nature, as I've been saying the last few days, we are everywhere always at once. There could be some superstitions that are so deeply entrenched in the matrix of our time and space, such as a feather being a sign from a departed loved one that they're with you. Or here's one that I've heard my whole life, maybe it's just me, but if you dream of snakes at night, if you have a nighttime dream of snakes, it means people are talking about you. Well, there's probably always somebody talking about you. We can over-interpret some of these signs. But the point is, if there are some superstitions that are so entrenched in the psyche of the times that you now live in, in the locality as well, heck, yes, you could tune into that and perhaps have an element of yourself that's seeking for answers. Use and leverage a superstition such as butterflies or snakes or a million other possibilities and bring that to your attention for the desired impact. Quite possible. It's also possible that your inner being, your inner witness is so freaking genius and clever 
that if you are kind of weighing a decision, a path to take, again, a fork in the road, that it, knowing your predisposition to, to meanings, to symbols, to earlier experiences in your life, might create, fabricate, on the fly, this is you doing it for you, your higher self reaching your your time-space self to impart meaning, to impart clarity. This is how brilliant you are and given that you're everywhere always at once and given that everything is just more you, truly, literally, then yeah, there's lots of room for valid symbols and experiences. But here is the biggest thing that I'd like to impart. Uh, in this spiritual tune-up. And that is, don't over-interpret a, a butterfly or a rainbow. I mean, you don't have to be uh, acting as if you're on the outside looking in at this wonderful, magical world that's trying to speak to you because you're so disconnected. You're going to look for meaning where, you know, sometimes a rainbow is just beautiful. And sometimes, you know, uh, a feather is... Uh, just needed to be molted out and changed. Uh, and, and sometimes we can overdo it. And most importantly, brothers and sisters, you came first. You are the first primal cause of all that you experience. Not symbols, not numbers, not the outside world. And thereby, whatever you're picking up or witnessing or discovering, not only is it a, a function of your own creation, but it would never dictate how your life is going to go. Oh, I saw three feathers and two were orange and therefore it's going to rain or I should avoid the next relationship or I should... Don't give your power away. You decide what's going on. Nothing is set in stone. No symbol, no element, no nothing uh, is speaking to you of anything set in stone. If you get a, a symbol or a sign that you don't like, that's foreshadowing an event that you don't want, say, hell no. You are the controller. You are the driver. You are the, the prime cause, the, the prime mover. That's what I was looking for in all of your affairs. Don't ever give your power away. There's no such thing as destiny. There are only probabilities. And the probability that you will manifest next is the one that you believe in, that you want, that you prepare for the most. So yeah, there's something to symbols. Not too sure what they are. A note from the universe once said, if you believe in signs, then consider this a sign that perhaps um, you need not rely on signs and perhaps rely more on your inner knowing. Uh, I totally butchered that, but uh, I think you get the drift. Uh, too often people looking for signs are giving their power away. Whether it's the lyrics in the song, maybe the reason you keep hearing this song that makes you think of so-and-so is because you're already thinking of so-and-so so much. Or maybe they're thinking a lot about you. Does that mean you guys should be together? No! It just means you're thinking about them a whole lot. So don't over-interpret uh, the signs that you're picking up. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, it's Mike Dooley. Time for a spiritual tune-up. Happy Friday. Uh, today's question is about Alzheimer's disease. Pretty heavy topic and one worthy of looking at. And really, there's two points of approach with regard to looking at Alzheimer's disease. The typical approach by our mainstream medical profession is like, what's going on? Um, the, the higher approach, uh, and this is reflective of the fact that you asked this question, is why is this happening? So let me look at the whys first and then the whats, the whys being more important. And let me tell you, I'm speaking from some experience because my dear mom, rest in peace, um, had a 10-year decline into Alzheimer's, dementia. The whole thing is kind of a gray area. It's very foggy. Um, kind of, uh, I'm not trying to be funny there. It's kind of a gray area. But um, 
you know, exactly what is Alzheimer's, exactly what is dementia, exactly, you know, the, the, the medical profession is still getting a handle on exactly some of those questions. But, but from my experience, being incredibly close to my mother my entire life, probably um, from age 40 onwards, I talked to her every single day, lived in the same hometown, and um, it was, her passing was the day I regretted my, I feared, I feared my entire life. I dreaded my entire life. How am I ever going to manage without my mom? And this is getting to the whys of it. Uh, knowing that we create our own reality, as you know, which is in large part why I get this question about Alzheimer's. Um, why would someone choose directly or indirectly to have this long, slow, in many instances, humiliating departure. Uh, it just makes no sense. What good could possibly come from shrinking within your physical body, physical capabilities, mental faculties, all just dissolving into mush, excuse me, uh, what is that going to accomplish? How is that setting them up for anything? Because this happened to me, and because I know so greatly the fear and trepidation I had about losing my mother without regard to Alzheimer's, uh, worried about that final goodbye and how would I ever be able to survive it, it dawned on me after her passing that we had a 10-year goodbye. And it was really gradual, and it was really gentle, and it was really loving. And it dawned on me that perhaps, and in hindsight in many cases, oftentimes the reason for a chosen form of departure is not for the person who's departing. It's for those they love. And in some way, somehow, it served one or many, as well as in ways I can't comprehend themselves, to check out slowly. Because there is no death that arrives ahead of its time. There is no passing that is accidental. There is no means nor manner of passing uh, which is random or without purpose and order. Contrary to what our physical senses show us, I know I could take a tangent, ask me some questions, we'll do tangents on point of departure next week. But back to Alzheimer's disease, for me, the big aha was that, in my opinion, my mother chose that means of departure in large part, if not entirely, for her kids who adored her. And by by this dragging out like it did, when I finally got that call from my sister that mom had passed, there was immense relief. And literally, shockingly, there was zero grief. The grief had come incrementally over 10 years when she would forget her car keys, when she would forget I was her son, when she would forget what house she was in. Well, I mean... Somebody once said, you know, it's best to have a sense of humor if you're dealing with a loved one who has Alzheimer's. And boy, did that really serve. Um, so the other angle in looking at why somebody might have Alzheimer's is a, a, a many faceted possibility. I'll tell you, as I've recommended before, Louise Hay's book, You Can Heal Your Life. Halfway through the book, the back half of the entire book is all about common ailments. And there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of common ailments named. And likely, not absolute, likely spiritual, psychological causes beneath them. And she speaks to dementia and Alzheimer's excuse me, and she said that in some cases, uh, and not too few, or she wouldn't have mentioned it, um, Alzheimer's is an attempt to get attention, attention from others. I'll be very honest, 
I cannot connect that dot. I do not see that being the case in my mom's life. Um, it's quite possible. I don't know of anybody who's had, I know very few people who've had Alzheimer's, so I can't connect dots there. But according to Louise Hay's book, and so much of that book is solid gold, when you get to a limb on it that seems unstable, uh, I, I look to all of the other truths in that book to say, well, look, this lady clearly knew what she was talking about. She was clearly tuned in. And if that's uh, and a common cause of Alzheimer's, according to Louise Hay, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. So that is one reason somebody might want it for themselves, to seek attention, attention they weren't getting otherwise. Um, another uh, possibility, uh, it's just simply the physical and mental decline of a body for someone who is not ready to let go, quite possibly perhaps from fear, fear of the unknown, fear of a devil, fear of passing to the other side. You know, you don't need me to tell you that that, that is quite a possibility that there doesn't have to be deep, profound metaphysical reasons. Somebody just got super old. They believed in aging. They believed in decline. And, and so they lost their faculties uh, more quickly than they would have chosen to leave uh, the world. There are an endless number of reasons why somebody might choose, not intentionally, but inintentionally, unintended manifestations in some cases, uh, something like Alzheimer's and or anything else. There would never be one cookie cutter kind of answer. But one of the things that I would urge everyone to do, whether you're going through something yourself or a loved one is going through it, ask the question, what does this make possible? What does it make possible? That's how I kind of got to uh, the understanding I did pertaining to my mother. Like, what does it make possible? And very often, you can see one or several reasons, plain as day, without getting into the psyche or metaphysics, as to what is now possible that wasn't possible before. Um, empathy, compassion, um, understanding, grieving, uh, what does any ailment or circumstance of mysterious origins and mysterious purposes, what is it making possible in tandem to the, the cancer, the disease, the, the forgetfulness, in tandem to that, what else is it is being made possible. Reconciliation. And in that question, that can literally be applied to all things, you know, COVID. What does this make possible? Forget COVID, forget the disease, forget the vaccines and the masks. What does it, what has it been making possible? Clearly, as I've shared before, you can see that it's caused a reset. It's called, it's caused people willingly or unwillingly to calm down to stay at home, to go within, to wonder, to change their priorities, to put family first. A whole host of amazing things have been made possible by COVID and lockdown. While other things are playing out in terms of uh, the virus and its growth and it's a way for some people who are ready to check out to check out and on and on and on and on and on and on and on. But Ask the question, in all things, when you are bamboozled, um, what is this making possible? Besides the obvious, besides the super obvious, the decay, the decay, the decline, etc. Traffic accident, stub toe, relationship dissolving, um, anything. The, the dark night of my soul 21 years ago when nothing worked in my life, not relationships, not business, not money, not nothing. I was all alone. What did it make possible? It made possible for the train of my life to change tracks and go fa faster, farther, better, higher than I ever could have imagined. And I had big hopes. So what does this make possible? You lonely right now? What does that make possible? Anything and everything. What does this make possible? 
Ask the big questions. You'll get the big answers. Life is easy. It's not supposed to be hard. You are of God, by God, pure God, pushed on to greatness every single day. Here to succeed, to prevail, to thrive. Dream. Take baby steps. It can happen. Happy Friday, everybody. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend. Uh, Thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration every single day, I send out a note from the universe. Right now, it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.